Alright, today I'm going to be talking about the spirit of Elijah. The last episode I went over about the Antichrist, how it only really shows up in First John. And it's given more of a characteristic, apart from it also being assigned to an individual. And that characteristic is denying the flesh, which is also why I followed it up with uh, Romans 3 and Romans 7. Not a verse, a, a portion of it to get the point across. Uh, Romans 7, 1 through 4, I think, would pretty much get the point across. Uh, but with the spirit of Elijah, if we look at, if we look at how the law works, it says you need like two or three witnesses to prove, like to make a testimony. And it also, and that can also be used for like pieces of evidence as well. And with the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah went with the coming of the Messiah. Like you're told two things are supposed to happen. You got the sign of Jonah and then you got the spirit of Elijah and the spirit of Elijah. That's the last book of the Old Testament that tells you that. So like right now, there are three Abrahamic religions you got Islam, you got Judaism, and then you got uh, the Messianic congregation. And those will be your two or three witnesses pointing to this same God. So, and I've seen where Prophet Muhammad was assertive about the Torah as well. So the Torah and the prophets, they all go hand in hand. Like even Moses kind of, is reflective of what the prophets are going to say. And Malachi chapter four, like you just read all of that. Just it, the whole chat, the whole chapter is about it. And then the last two verses say, uh, behold, I was seeing Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of God comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children and fathers. Let's come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then, well, we're given, we're given John the Baptist Okay, he didn't know he was the spirit of Elijah, but the Messiah reaffirmed it because he was asked by the Pharisees, are you the spirit of Elijah? And he was like, no. And then the Messiah said, yes, he was. So John the Baptist was ignorant of it, but at the same time, we know it comes for the great day of destruction and all that. And then people link that to the Jewish diaspora. That would actually be your sign of Jonah that once you like in Ezekiel, it says like, there's like a date of year prophecy, depending on who's given the prophecy. Like in revelations, it talks about the 1200 something days. That's not 1200 something years. So you kind of like, it, it's weird how it does it. Whereas like the Messiah was crucified in the sign of Jonah. When Jonah went to, Nineveh, Iraq, he said, repent or your town will be destroyed in 40 days. And you know, the Messiah, he linked it to the belly of the well, but he never really said, repent or your town will be destroyed in 40 days. But we've already been given this day to your prophecy. So that would be 40 years, but he never really said it. But what he did say is that not one stone would be left un uncovered. So we're, we're seeing you no... Know, with the Jewish diaspora at play, we're seeing a little bit of Isaiah 53 about 
and, and even the Daniel 70-week prophecy about the decree of building the temple and then the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Like we're, seeing, we're seeing that being at play due to non-repentance and then the the sign of Jonah taking place. And then like there's a weird science to it. That's a lot to go into. And I don't know how to like, I can explain it, but I don't know if like people will get it. But so we're, we're seeing two things there before the second coming, but with the seals though, with the seals, we've if we've already been given the first seal, like just based off of my interpretation, they're announced by star dates: the lion, the bull, the man, and the eagle in flight. And if those are Leo, Taurus, Sagittarius, and Scorpio, Scorpio was an eagle zodiac sign. Uh, you, uh, you can Google that. Maybe take some notes as I'm talking. You can go and Google it if you want to test it all. Um, so we're looking at the second seal. So we're seeing false prophet. Uh, and then we're going to look at Spirit of Elijah. And then we know another false prophet. And then that's it. So it, it, even each false prophet will be a test. So we're going to look at this second seal and try to see... Um, I went over it in the, le in the episode prior. Wait, no. Yeah, I did in the uh, Antichrist episode. Uh, I went over it. I said it was the Taurus, which, which was the, if your translation says bull, if it says ox, any kind of cattle-like animal, it's, you're looking for an event to take place when the Taurus is in the sky. And that would be a sign. Just as Genesis said, the stars, sun, and the moon, or for signs, seasons, and times. Uh, there's a God. There's a lot in this episode. I got. I'm gonna have to cover the lost tribes in this episode too. Um. We're gonna. Look, I'm gonna look at that verse, and then I'm actually going to turn ahead in Revelations because it picks up. Like the second seal picks up in a different chapter in a weird way. So, come and out. This is verse three, <coughs> three and four. The second living creature said, "Come and out." Came another horse, bright red. Now Isaiah tells you that I will wa I will wash your sins, although they is are red. White as wool. I will wash your sins away. So this individual announced by the Stardates of Taurus will be a sinner. Uh, its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth. Permitted. He was permitted. Okay. Let's keep going. So that people should slay one another. Okay. So he was permitted. He was permitted to take peace from the earth. But did he do it? He was given a great sword. Now, I went over in the last episode, the sword wasn't invented. The great sword wasn't invented until the 14th century. So looking at, you know, Paul, who was a Pharisee, the apostle sent out to the Gentiles. He said, he talks about putting on the armor of God. He says the sword is the word of God given by the Holy Spirit. So we're looking for a sinner that had a, basically authority like to do this given a great word of God 
by the Holy Spirit. So then it goes in the next verse, and that's the third seal. So we're not going to do the third seal, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about that one. It says the third living creature. So that would be Sagittarius said, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and his rider had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard what was seen to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. Okay. That... That's that's probably that's a lot more confusing than I've linked that to possibly the second false prophet or possibly like the date Sagittarius is what's gonna help figure that out because there, I believe there's another star date listed in here as well. And I'm going to go over that star date listed to the, the second seal. So if we continue reading through Revelation, you just read Revelation 7 and you just continue reading. You're going to notice something different. We have gone from a mark of the beast put on the right hand and the forehead to a and if you know the Torah, the Torah, you bind it on your forehead, you tie it on your wrist. So it's a similar location. Okay? We're seeing the similarity there. But we're given a seal this time. It is not a mark. Okay? Now, some translations, I believe, they call the Sabbath day a seal. I'm not too sure. I didn't study like that. Like, I didn't feel like I really needed to. It didn't seem like something really important to study. But this right here. We're given a different location, and it's just the forehead. So we're seeing the 144,000 of Israel sealed. Now, we're going to talk about the lost tribes right quick. <clears throat> the lost tribes, there are several movements. You got the black Hebrew Israelites. That is not, you can't say that it's just black people. You got to look at genetics. Genetics are a thing. The curses of the Torah, some of the curses of the Torah can be summed up as being said as forced migration. And during forced migration, babies are made, whether they are a product of love, incest, or rape, that babies are made. And then you got to apply genetics. Where we start off from Abraham, that's where the covenant began. The red hair gene was a was a dormant gene in Abraham, but it was also passed on to Esau, where it was an active gene. I have. Let me open up my browser right quick. I'm gonna pull up an article if I can find it. Uh, then, like, there's even an Asian Jew mentioned. I think in like the Book of Acts. Let's see. Uh, there was this tomb, the name of the article is on biblical archaeological, or, or biblical archaeology, archaeology.org. Okay, the name of the article is the only ancient Jewish male hair found. Okay, well, it, you read a little bit about the history, it says this tomb has been sealed up since the first century. They didn't, when they went in there in ransacked, Jerusalem, apparently they didn't go inside this tomb, but their hair was red. So there are red hair Jews. The red gene was dormant in Abraham, active in Esau. So it obviously continued through Isaac. So it genetics are a thing. I've studied a little bit about my past. There's 
like there's Hebrew lineage in me. There, I, there's Hebrew lineage in a lot of people. You can't say it's just the blacks. There's a lot of history. Like there's Jews in Ethiopia. They're black. There's there's a comedian. He's uh, I believe he's a non-practicing Jew. He's he's got he's redhead. So there's it's too too broad to sit there and say it's just black people and then even paul says to paul he talks about being woven into the olive tree of judah so it's never been a race thing and that and making it a race thing would suppress the covenant of abraham and that's something that like look you, you, it's, that's not something that's been taught in the gospel so when we're reading chapter 7 we're seeing a new event here and it's not necessarily inside of the sixth seal this sealing of the 144,000 of Israel I believe is because of that great sword given to that sinner. So how is this person going to seal or help seal via the great sword? Uh, 144,000. How's he going to seal that many people? Uh, let's see. Give a little description. Hold back the four winds. Do not harm the earth until they're sealed. And then... Uh, right here, nine through nine through fourteen, we're seeing that this is not a one-time event. This is a drug-on event, just like with the gospels. Like people, like if if the gospels pretty much stopped with, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there was the like people started believing over time. Like it's not a one-time event. It's not just oh. You're sealed, that's it. It's not going to be like that. So we're seeing, uh, he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So it seems to be like a progressive event as well. So let's see. Then you're given. Then, then you got the seven seal and the golden censer, the seven trumpets. The seven trumpets, that, that has to do with marriage. There's a little bit of, like, the thing with the trumpets have to do with, like, something about royal marriage and, and, and that practice. Uh, you can look that up. So... Knowing what John the Baptist said, if he was the first spirit of Elijah, he said something about the friend prepares the way for the bridegroom. He must increase, but I must decrease. And like he he, he talks about he he talks about that. So I can see the seven trumpets being linked to the spirit of Elijah as well and the whole marital sense, like the marriage being synonymous, like your relationship being synonymous with marriage. I, I can see the consistency there. So you got the seven trumpets given to the angels. Now, 
I don't know why chapter 8 and 9 aren't just one chapter. That may be in some, but chapter 9 starts off with a fifth angel. So just keep going to chapter 10. This is a different thing. It's very similar to what some Bibles call the four beasts. It's... Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. All right, we're given another character. He's never, it's a mighty angel coming down from heaven. He said it was wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face like sun, his legs are like pillar of fire. So this is a new character. Looking at the description of him. Now I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to forget everything you know about and, and, and you have to forget everybody else's theories before I go into this. And even if that theory is from an official religion, forget about it. Do not apply that to this. For the love of God, do not apply that to this. Uh, given a He's given a little scroll, open his hand. The scroll is opened. Okay, the scroll is now open. Remember that. Right foot on the sea, left foot on the land. All right, if we've already been given these prepositional phrases, the land means individual and the sea means group or anything. And he's basically standing on both of them. This means everywhere. I feel like like he's standing on both of them. And it's just, it's, and he called out with a voice like a lion roaring when he called out. The seven thunders sounded. The thunders that's that's the voice of God from what I've read in the prophets and, and in other places. Uh, here are seven thunders. So he heard seven voices of God. He still got that scroll open. It's, a, it's an angel with a rainbow on his forehead. He's got a scroll open and he's got seven voices of God being yelled at him. And he says, seal up with the seven thunders, he said, but do not write it down. So, Seal it up, but don't write it down. So how's he going to seal it up? You're told later he eats it, and it's like honey, and it's and then bitter. Uh, let's see, let's see. In the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled just as he announced his servants and the prophets. So we're given this new character. He's basically proclaiming to everybody, I feel like, from the, the land and the sea, Seven voices of God, and he's got a rainbow over his head. Now, given, like, if you listen to other episode, the other episodes, religion, man-made, God-breathed, universal church, like, if you listen to those, we would be at a point where it's just religion. So, if we're going to look at this in a chronological order of how everything happened, you got Adam and Eve, you got... Flood, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Messiah. Okay, so with Noah, this bow come, this rainbow comes up, and this is what has been referred to as the Noahide laws by the Babylonian Talmud. And this understanding the seven voice, like I don't want to call it a Noah laws because I don't want to attach their definition to it. When you're looking for the seven voices of God, there would be basically seven commandments, is what they would be. 
Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, I mentioned earlier, or I think I did, uh, two or three witnesses. It says twice, no idols. Idols was not said to Noah, but I feel like it should still be attached because Jasher chapter 7 says Nimrod was the person to make idols. And looking at the evolution of idols, it would, you know, Amos basically talks about what we would call the Star of David. And I think Stephen says something about that as well in the book of Acts. And then it carries over with the cross of Tammuz. Like, it's not... It, it seems like it's just trying to make a point and not really hurt anybody's feelings. It's just saying, hey, avoid these. So... I feel like idols would be one of those. Another one is be fruitful and multiply. Now, that I have a hard time understanding because Paul was the apostle sent out to the Gentiles. And he said, take one wife. And he was a Pharisee. He was Hebrew. But at the same time, he's telling Gentiles don't have one wife. I don't. I don't know the meaning behind that. I would have to find out why he wrote that letter in the first place before I tried to attach any kind of consequence or whatever to that. I don't know what that is. I'm not condoning like having more than one wife, neither. I'm just saying if it works, it works. Keep your opinion to yourself. It's, it's compatibility. It's not an orgy. So... That's something that's been applied to that. Now, with Gentiles, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to go into that. But we're seeing, you know, more than one wife with the Messiah in a relatively sense. And we're seeing, first and foremost, 144,000 first. And the reason for that, like... It's it's hard to go into that. It's not really something that says like how can I go into this? Alright, these people These right here, I, they're, they're the, I believe they're called the first fruits, but they're sealed on the forehead with this rainbow, and there's so much of this, and I really don't want to get into it in this episode with those those individuals because there's there's a lot of seems to be a lot of bad stuff going on with that too, but. It's not, I have a hard time explaining this because so many people have all these ideas and it throws me off. Ambassadors of Christ did a YouTube video about the two witnesses. And that, that video, like, they did a good job explaining it, but they applied the wrong, I believe they applied the wrong concept 
to it because they started like like with superheroes and stuff and don't think it's like that um it shouldn't be i don't know i've heard a lot of things i've heard like with the two witnesses the two witnesses is something people have said is the old testament and people have said are the new testament not the old testament new testament it tells you who the two witnesses are if you've read it so those are two olive trees and the two candlesticks and it tells you at the very beginning of revelation the two candlesticks or the seven candlesticks are the seven churches so a candlestick's a church the stars are angels and you know you got if you you know, you people go to college to become preachers. So you know Israel is divided into two nations, Israel and Judah. You know Paul says the olive tree of Judah. So the olive tree is Israel and Judah. So there's your two witnesses. Now I don't think it's going to be like ambassadors of Christ, where it's going, everybody's going to be an Avenger. I don't think it's like that. If there's a lot more to it. Um, I, I would rather not really speak on that video. But looking at... You know, we're seeing this ceiling. And it talks about, like, you can read. You can read, read all of chapter 11. You can read all of it, all the way where he measured the temple of God, all the way to the Ark of the Covenant being seen. Start with all of that. Then, that goes more into your actual two witnesses where it talks about. Uh, a martyr is what it is. It's a martyr. And this, with the two witnesses, it, it goes back to what Moses says. Where does, let me go into Moses. Let me see, where is that? I'm not even sure what book it is. But I'm 26 minutes in. I knew this was going to be a long, long seal. Moses says, in the latter days, when you remember your certain false gods, he will gather you from where he has scattered you. Uh, I'm trying to find it in here. As always, I did not prepare for it. I actually did bring my Bible out here because this is a very long and drug out seal. I'm going to have to do another part. Um, so... With the Babylonian Talmud, though, I want to speak on that for a second. The Babylonian Talmud basically says that the Messiah is going to, in a sense, get all those scattered. Like, I forget how they put it. And it also says 
uh, the NOAA high laws will be enforced too. The thing about it is it, it's been given this Zionist view. Is that the word I'm looking for? Is that like the government view? I don't, it's not, it's not supposed to be like government. That's not, it's not about government. It's not about money. It's not about race. It's not about none of that stuff. It's what they're looking at, what they call the Messiah, is actually the spirit of Elijah. And what their Talmud prophesies seems to be the second seal. And just as the first seal had consequences, which is why I did all of that with the Universal Church and Nimrod and all that, was because those were the consequences of the first seal and also the history leading up to the first seal. But with the second seal, there's there's so much that seems to be at play here just with the second seal. And the Babylonian Talmud prescribes this person as being their Messiah. That is not that that's not what this says. This contradicts that and as well as Malachi says it, it would be the spirit of Elijah being Constantine the Great would be the first dreamer or visionary that caused people to follow false gods, just as Deuteronomy 13 says, he will be the first king of the beast that came out of the earth like a lamb, spoke like a dragon, and also the king to establish the kingdom to be on the earth in the end days to later divide into ten kings. So, but with the spirit of Elijah, it's a little different because we're going to have to go back through verse. We're going to have to go back through chapter 13. Mm. I'm going to have to. I'm going to actually have to put some aside, aside some time to just organize this out where I can explain it without having to stop and go explain something else. Um. So these people are given sealed on their foreheads, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, the sons of Israel. So, and when you read that, you're not going to see, like it, it's, you're not going to see Dan. Uh, you would have to go and do some research on that. I'm not going to get into that. That's a little bit off topic, but you're given all these seal. These are these are the sons of Israel. So this would actually be the spirit of Elijah that would be sealing these via uh, something I'm unfamiliar with and still studying, and that would be the Noah Covenant. Uh, it says seven voices, but when you actually read the Noah Covenant, the Noah Covenant is mentioned in Genesis chapter 9. Um, I'm going to try to wrap this up. But right now, I'm just going to stick on this little scroll for now, and then I'll pick back up next Saturday and try to be a little bit more prepared. It's not something that... Uh, be fruitful, multiply. This is chapter 9. Uh, 
through uh, all the way to verse 17. It talks about the rainbow being the sign. Uh, establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and every living. Okay, it's, it's basically everybody. Remember, this little angel is on the earth and the sea, and we've already established those prepositional phrases. And if he established it with the sons of Noah, Noah was would have you know, logically been the only person left. So that's everybody. So looking at the Babylonian Talmud, it says that it is just the Gentiles. No, it is the Jews as well. So I will pick back up with the second seal next Saturday. Until then, I don't know, man. Just do your own studying, I reckon. Later. Only